0: Hello U.S. History. So today, this is the start of U.S. History podcasts. And this is following kind of U.S. History stuff, starting with kind of some historical documents and founding of the nation and some different things going on, which is what this podcast is going to be about. And we're going to take you all the way up through September 11th. So there's a lot of podcasts to come. But here is the beginning. So, um, just for proper introductions, uh, my name is Mr. Matt McEwen. I don't usually use my first name very much, but since this is the first podcast, I guess I will. But we'll go with first name being Mr., at least for my students. Anyhow, um, let's get going, if we will. So, we're going to be talking about historical documents, at least that's the kind of head of this unit. And... This is talking about kind of the founding of the country, and it was kind of founded on enlightenment ideas now hopefully you remember enlightenment from the world history podcast and just world history in general and you're going to hear a few things that sound kind of familiar so social contract theory checks and balances philosophers natural rights life liberty and property sorry pursuit of happiness that's more of an american thing but we're getting there freedom of religion speech press and all those good things and laissez-faire Oh, because that is french So, um, anyhow, we have a whole bunch of different ones here. Um, So, anyhow, let's get into it, at least in regards to America and whatnot. So, all right, let's start off with that social contract theory that I mentioned. So, here's our textbook definition, or the basically, I guess. People surrender or give up certain rights uh, in order to be protected, usually by their government. So, for instance... um, some places we give up the right to bear arms in order to feel safe. Um, think of like airports and schools. Uh, we give up levels of privacy as well. Uh, we give up certain levels of freedom of speech um, in different areas. You can't say certain things. So that is part of a social contract. We are giving up certain rights in order to feel protected by our society, our government, what have you. All right, moving kind of in the same Vein of that, checks and balances. Now, we got to make sure that this government that we're giving powers up to um, don't have too much power. So we have these checks and balances where we have a separation of powers um, into different branches of the government and, you know, the three branches, legislative, executive, and judicial. And, you know, that whole idea behind that was we don't want one to have too much power over the other. Now, we're going to revisit that a little bit later on, but I just kind of want to do a little recap of enlightenment here at the beginning. All right, those natural rights, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, that's kind of more the American way. Um, We talked about freedom of religion, speech press, etc. All that's just, we have that. That's the American way. Laissez-faire, to let do. Adam Smith, let the market decide. Um, You know, in America, we are very laissez-faire. That's capitalism. And the capitalism definition, an economic and political system in which a country's trade and industry are controlled by private owners for profit rather than by the state. So basically, if you want to start a business, you can. All right, so that's kind of the reminder, refresher from enlightenment. So we're going to take a lot of those ideas and we're going to use those for creating our country. So, let's put these all together in the American way. So we're going to start off in the year 1763. Alright? And this is the proclamation of 1763. Barred or banned the settlement west of the Appalachian Mountains. Okay, so... That's a little something that's going on. We are people are not going to be too happy about that. Okay. On top of that, war. War is very expensive. All right. So since war is expensive, the colonists were getting kind of angry because Parliament. Remember, this is the British. Um, they said, "Look, we protected you, so now you are going to have to pay part of the cost for." Protecting and securing the frontier. Now, I know this is an audio podcast. You couldn't tell that I was doing air quotes. All right. So, bottom line people are not very happy about not being able to settle west of the Appalachian Mountains. And on top of that, we have to pay, um, we have to help pay for the war. And the way we're going to pay for this war is through taxes. So, people are paying taxes and we're not allowed to live where we want to live. All right so we're not too happy is what it comes down to now those taxes they just keep getting more and more so 1764 um we have a sugar act tax and this imposed a duty (laughs) or import tax on foreign sugar and molasses so anytime we bring in sugar or anything molasses or anything like that we're gonna have to pay a tax so all right they're taxing sugar we're not happy about this But it's happening, okay? I'm sure that's all... Oh, no, wait, nope. 1765. One year later, we have the Stamp Act. Now, this isn't exactly a tax the way we think of a tax on stamps, like stamps you buy from the post office. This is a tax on all printed matter of all kinds. So, advertisements, diplomas, legal documents, newspapers, even playing cards. So, when they would print these things, these printed documents and stuff, they would put a little stamp on them and that showed that the stamp had been paid for the stamp act had been paid during this time well like Bruce Banner we got angry incredible Hulk joke number one alright so people are not very happy about this we felt that this had been basically passed by Parliament um, you know way across the pond over in England and the colonists had no direct representation. And I'm sure you've heard this one, taxation without representation. And that's exactly what's going on here. We're being taxed and it's we'd have no say in the matter. This is not right. Well, I'm sure that they're done with taxes. They are not done with taxes. All right, non-importation agreements. All right. So we are not happy about all this. There's more to come. So we decide to do these non-importation agreements. Basically, we are promising we are not going to buy or import British goods. We'll fight them with our wallets. If we're not happy, they're not gonna get money from us. So that's how we're gonna show them that we are upset. So of course, these non-importation agreements and everything, Demonstrations started to occur People advocating, you know Do not buy from, you know, the British And they're taking, you know, they're taxing us This is not fair And one man in particular who came to the front was Samuel Adams Alright, and here's a little quote from him And I'm doing my best to sound old-timey If we suffer tamely a lawless attack upon our liberty We encourage it Alright, basically what he's saying is, look, if someone's going to pick on us with a tax and we do nothing, then we're basically telling them, it's okay, keep doing that to us. So Samuel Adams, during this time, he was also the leader of the Boston Sons of Liberty. And they were basically committees of artisans, lawyers, merchants, and politicians that formed to protest the Stamp Act. So, we're not happening. Happy with all this. Well... couple years later in 1766, March of, that is, the Stamp Act was repealed. And that basically because the delegates of the colonies spoke out against the Stamp Act so much, and the British merchants also spoke out against it because the non-importation agreements, those things that said, hey, we're not going to buy anything from the British, it really hurt the merchants, the British merchants that were selling to America. So... They were like, look, we're not making any money from these American citizens. They're really upset about this extra tax. How about you get rid of the tax because we want to make money too. So eventually Britain's like, yeah, maybe that was a bad idea. So moving on. Another act, the Declaratory Act. Declaratory Act. Wow, sorry, my tongue just went nope. Um, But anyhow, the Declaratory Act of 1766 Asserted that full power and authority, air quotations, of Parliament, air quotations, to make laws to bind the colonies and people of America, end quotation, in, start quotation, all cases whatsoever, quotation. All right, let me read that one more time. Basically, the Declaratory Act said, look, we have full power and authority as the government, meaning as Britain, to make all laws that we want to the colonies of the people in America in all cases whatsoever so look where the government whatever we say goes alright this is a lot of power that Britain who is way far away from us across an ocean is putting on us so we're not too happy about this but oh wait (laughs) ha there's more Townsend Acts 1767 alright these placed import duties on such common items as tea, that one will come in play later, lead, glass, and dyes for paint. All right, so we're not happy about this. Also, there's this thing called writs of assistance. All right, and these are special search warrants used to enforce these towns and Acts. So basically, there are taxes on tea, lead, glass, and dyes for paint. And these writs of assistance are the, basically, they allow us to go after these people that break these laws so people were really upset and there was a lot of unrest and parliament was like well look at all these upset people how about we do something about that by stationing some troops in America and that's where our next act comes in the quartering act of 1765 now I know it sounds a little like I'm going backwards, because I just talked about the Townsend Acts of 67, 1767, and now I'm going back to 65. It's because this legislation was already there, but it had just never really been used. And this Quartering Act, it was basically legislation that said that America, or the American colonies, the people, they had to provide money to quarter, or had to house themselves and supply the troops. So basically all the British troops that were over here to make sure that there was no unrest, we had to pay for them while they were here. We had to give them food. We had to give them shelter. We had to help them out. So this this is all bad stuff. Everything I'm going over right now is leading up to you know, the American Revolution, essentially. So we're just kind of backtracking of everything that's going to make us upset. I'm going to stop this... Uh, podcast pretty close to when um, we basically kick out the British and have our, you know, little revolutionary war. So, all right, now, we're going over all these acts. Let's take a little break from them, because I, I know, I know, you you want me to go over more acts, but I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just going to put them on hold. It's just what I want to do. All right, let's talk about the ladies during this time. Now, women didn't always have the most rights or the most active roles during this time. But um, women did participate in some of this stuff, um, in this unrest and whatnot, with spinning parties. And that's where women would gather to make cloth so that they would not have to buy textiles or cloth from Britain. Uh, Massachusetts alone wove more than 20,000 yards. That is 166.66 football fields, just to give you a little idea. Alright, 1770, the Boston Massacre. For those of you who have played Assassin's Creed, maybe you've even played this level. Alright, the British had stationed troops in Boston to silence protests that were going on. Because remember, all these acts and all this stuff that's going on, people are upset, they're protesting. So they send some troops over there. And I'm sure that they are being quartered as well with that whole quartering act. Alright, so an angry mob had gathered somewhere around 50 to 60 American colonists and there was a small group of British soldiers. And the colonists started yelling insults and throwing snowballs, rocks, oyster shells, and pieces of coal. Now, at this point, we don't know 100% what happened next. But most likely, a soldier, British soldier, had slipped or was knocked down and his gun went off. Well, after that, all heck broke loose and three colonists um, lay dead and two more died later. So, things are not going the best. Two soldiers were eventually convicted of manslaughter, but these soldiers um, were kind of let off easy. They were branded on the hands and released. So, they kind of had like a little force tattoo, and that was about it. So, after that, the Prime Minister made a partial repeal of those Townsend Acts, allowed the Quartering Act to go away, but still kept a small tax on tea and we kind of know where this whole tea thing is going so stay tuned um king george iii uh basically said there must always be one tax to keep up the right and basically saying look we need to keep taxing them to remind them that we have the right to tax them and we're the ones in charge not them so moving down the road 1772 the Crown, slash the King, slash Britain, announced that it would pay salaries of the governor and the judges in Massachusetts. Now, the colonists didn't like this, okay? I know what you're thinking. Like, wait a minute, wait. they're going to pay for governor and judges? Well, I mean, that's good. We don't have to pay for them. That That's a great thing. Well, the colonists were a little upset. They were worried that these officials did not, if they didn't depend on the colonies for their money, then they might more easily ignore the colonies' demands. So, like, I'm like, hey, can you guys help us out? We need you to pass a law. And they're like, shh, I don't get money from you, so I don't care. So, in response to all this stuff going on, Samuel Adams and some others created a 21-member Committee of Correspondence And they basically kept the rest of the colony and the world, for that matter, informed about the infringements and violations that Britain had made on the colonial rights. So they are letting everyone know that there is some bad stuff going down in America. All right, so, and this leads us a little forward here to the Tea Act of 1773. Now remember, we still have had a little bit of tea tax going on. So we're not happy about that but there's more. So the tea act of 1773 allowed the British East India company to sell directly to American agents without paying any taxes. All right. So this is basically we're giving special treatment to a company that is owned and operated in Britain versus an American company trying to sell tea. So it's basically cheaper for Britain to, companies to sell tea to America than it would be for American tea companies to make tea and sell tea to American citizens. So the colonists were like, this is the first of many exemptions for British businesses and we're not going to take it. No, we're not going to take it anymore. So December 16th, 1773, we have the Boston Tea Party. Woo, party. Yeah, enthusiasm. All right. Anyhow, so the tea party, um, hopefully... You know, you guys kind of know all this stuff, but just a little recap here. After the governor refused the colonists' demand that he send three shiploads of tea back to Britain, where you belong. That night, a group of colonists dressed as Native Americans, or in an Indian manner, uh, boarded the tea ships in Boston Harbor and dumped 342 chests of tea into the water. And the water turned red for days and tons and tons of fish died and it smelled terrible all right i know you thought we were done with those acts you really did didn't you but we're not so the intolerable acts of 1774 also known as the coercive acts all right The British were angry about all this tea nonsense, and so therefore they passed these coercive acts. But they were basically four laws designed to punish Boston and to strengthen British control. All right, so the colonists called them intolerable acts. They were known as coercive acts. I'm not going to get too picky about that one. So anyhow, there's four parts to it. One, it closed the port of Boston until the colonists paid for the destroyed tea. So it's like, look... You ruined the tea, now you've lost your port. Alright, number two, it forbade colonists in the region from holding town meetings without the governor's permission. So, you're not allowed to assemble. Alright, number three, allowed royal officials who were charged with crimes in Massachusetts to be tried in other colonies or in Britain. And this was to avoid hostile juries. Because Massachusetts, those people were probably going to be a little bit biased when it came to putting people on trial for different things. And that Quartering Act that expired, well, we have a brand new one. So the new Quartering Act ordered local officials to provide food and housing in private homes if necessary for British soldiers stationed in the colonies. So they really brought down the hammer, all right? So, that's not going good. Uh, going well. Hmm, that's probably the proper English here. All right. Anyhow, moving on here. More to come, more acts, of course. All right. Quebec Act of 1774 extended Quebec's boundary south to the Ohio River. Hey, local. Um And this overrode claims on the area by Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Virginia. So we're basically telling, you know, some of the colonies like, we don't care what you have to say. And all of this led to the Revolutionary War. All right, I'm going to pause there uh, for a little bit here, and I'm going to break this up into another podcast where we get into kind of the first Continental Congress And kind of forming this new country and everything. So, And that works out about perfect because we're at about 20 minutes here. And I don't like to make my podcast over 20 minutes. So let's stop there and we'll pick up with another episode next. Talk to you soon.